chapter, if you would, and we're going to look at the message translation. And verse 1 says, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. But look up, everyone say, look up. So we're looking at look up part two this morning. And be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from His perspective. Father, we thank You for Your Word today. We pray that our eyes would be enlightened, our hearts would be strengthened, and we give You glory for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said... So, notice here with me, look up. Look to Him. Look to Him for wisdom. He is our wisdom. Look to Him for sanctification. He is our sanctification. Look to Him for redemption. He is our Redeemer. Look to Him for strength. He is our strength. Look to Him for joy. He is our joy. Look to Him for peace. For He is our peace. And so then, what we're saying here early in the year is that our focus must be upon Jesus. Jesus and His Word are one. And so our focus must be on Him for all of our needs, for our deliverance, and for freedom in every area of our lives. In Hebrews chapter 2, 12 verse 2, in the Amplified first part it says, Looking away from everything that would distract unto Jesus. We talked a little bit about some of those distractions. So there's a lot of distractions that are available to us. And we are not to consider those distractions. But we are to keep our eyes fixed and focused on Jesus and upon his word. Now I like Proverbs chapter 4. Especially in the area for uh, healing. So I want us to look at Proverbs chapter 4 verse 20 through 22. He said, my son, attend to my words. In other words, put my word first place. Consent and submit to my sayings. I'm going to read from the King James. Let them not depart from before thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Now notice with me where he says, do not let the word depart from before your eyes. It is important what we focus on. And I firmly believe that many in the body of Christ are not getting the kind of results that God wants them to have. Oh yes, they're attending to the word. They're believing the word. They're inclining their ear to his sayings. But what I would like to say today is they have the tendency to look at two things at the same time, which basically is double vision. You know, we look at the Word of God, and then all of a sudden the symptoms come, and we start considering the symptoms, and we lose focus. It's very difficult to look both ways at once. Now, a farmer, for example, if he's going to uh, plant a crop and he wants to have a harvest... First of all, he's got to plant the seed. Now, the farmer should not go out the next day and dig the seed up and look at it and say, what's going on? 
Look, there's nothing happening. Well, the seed is God's word. And the seed of God's word that is planted in our hearts will produce a harvest and it will produce a crop. But it doesn't always produce it immediately and overnight. There is such a thing as seed time and harvest. And we have to give the seed time to work. And so for us to continually look at our symptoms... For us to continually consider our symptoms and then the next day plant the seed again, we become wishy-washy spiritually. We come one day up, the next day down, and the next day almost level to the ground. And so God says, if you'll attend to my word and you'll incline your ear to my sayings and let not my word depart from before your eyes, here's what will happen. My word will become life to those that find them. Listen, friends, God's word has got the ability and the life in it to reproduce itself. He says, my words are life to those that find them. And what else? Their health or healing or medicine to all their flesh. This is God's medicine. I encourage you to take large doses of God's medicine. I encourage you to feed on the promises that declare by his stripes you were healed. And as you do and diligently apply them to your heart and to your life, they will become health and medicine to all of your flesh. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 11 if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 11. And I want us to look at a a couple of things this morning. One from the Old Testament, first and foremost. The Old Covenant. Now notice this statement. It says, Now all these things happened unto them for ensamples or for examples. Who's he speaking to? He's speaking to the church at Corinth about the children of Israel. And he says, now you can learn something if you'll look back to what the children of Israel went through, what they did right and what they didn't do right. It becomes an example to you. And notice, they're written for our admonition. They're written for you today. Upon whom the ends of the world are come. Now, I want to say something that is important for us to understand. We do not and should not glean our doctrine from the Old Covenant. A lot of erroneous things have occurred because people have gone back to the Old Covenant and tried to make it a doctrine for us in the New Covenant. We can learn from the Old Covenant, but we've got to get our doctrine from the New Covenant. And once you get your doctrine good and solid and good and steady from the new covenant, you can look back to the old and you can see a picture of the new in the old. And that's what we're going to look at today. Look with me at numbers. And I want us to notice in verse 21, we're going to learn something this morning. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going to learn something. Numbers chapter 21, verse 4 through 6. And they journeyed from Mount Or by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people 
It was not a little bit discouraged, but it was mucho discouraged. Much discouraged because of the way. In other words, because of the way that things were going, they got extremely discouraged. Now, the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness for how many years? Forty years. At the time of this specific writing... They were in the wilderness for 39 years and five months. And this is right before they were ready to go in. This is right before they were ready to go and possess the land. I say to you this morning that many times right before your greatest breakthrough, the enemy will pressure you the most. And the enemy will try to get you to give up and to give in right before you step in to your land of promise. Do not be discouraged. Do not grow weary in well-doing. Keep on moving. Keep on praising. Keep on being thankful for what God's taken you through the last 39 years. And keep your eyes focused on Him and He will bring you in. Amen? And so they were discouraged because of the way. Now notice with me in verse 5. And the speak people spoke against God. Do you know sometimes when people get discouraged, they start blaming God about stuff that God has absolutely nothing to do with? Think about it. They spoke against God and then they spoke against their leader, Moses. Well, you know, sometimes we speak against leaders when things don't go our way. Well, I thought you said this, Pastor, and I thought you said this was going to happen. I didn't say it. God said it. Don't talk to me. Talk to God. Wherefore have you brought us up out of the land of Egypt to die in the world? Who said anything about dying? God didn't say, I'm going to put you out there and kill you. They said, there's no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loathes this light bread. We don't like this manna. Man, these guys are an ungrateful, unthankful bunch. I mean, these folks were delivered out of Egypt. At the Red Sea, when there was no way, God made a way. They walked over free, and the Soldiers of Egypt all drowned. And then he took care of them all those years. And then all of a sudden there's strife, there's complaining, and there's murmuring in the camp. Now notice with me, and the Lord literally let loose fiery serpents. Understand this, that those serpents were there all the time. All of those spiders and all of those serpents and all of those things that could hurt them were there for 39 years and five months. But it wasn't until they got discouraged and opened up the door for murmuring and complaining that those fiery servants were let loose. There's something about an ungrateful, whiny Christian that releases the enemy's thwarts against them. God doesn't send it. But God allows it and permits it because we come out from under His protection. Are you listening to me? And so the Lord let loose fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people. 
And many people of Israel died. Therefore, the people came to Moses and they said, we've sinned. Thank God they admitted it. For we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. And Moses said, I ain't going to do it. Not going to do it. Y'all been complaining. You can just die. No, that wasn't Moses' heart. Moses' heart was said, yeah, I'll pray. Here's what Moses did. Is he prayed. He went to intercession on behalf of those people. A good leader will do that. Verse 8. And the Lord said unto Moses, here's what I want you to do. Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten... When he looketh upon it, say it with me, when he looketh upon it, what shall he do? He shall live. Now there is a verse of scripture in John 8, and we won't take time to look at it, but let me quote it to you. John 8 says, even as Moses lifted up the serpent brass in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up. What Jesus was saying in John 8 is this is literally a picture of me. Understand this, that a serpent is a picture of sin. As you look at the serpent in the Garden of Eden, you see a deceptive animal trying to get them to yield into sin. Somebody says, how can a serpent of brass... Lifted up in the wilderness, be a type of Jesus. How can Jesus say, that's a picture of me? Because very simply, he took your place. He took our place. You see, we were those serpents. We were those ones that yielded to sin. But God made him, Jesus, to be sin for us. Who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness. Come on, somebody. Of God in Him. He took our place. That's what we were before we received Him. Oh man, that's good news. And verse 9 says, And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, what did he do? Now I want you to pull up verse 8 and 9 in the amplified version if you would. And I want you to notice... The word looketh, because we're talking about looking up. As they looked up, they lived. As they kept their focus on that which God instructed them to do, they lived. As you and I look up, we also can live. Notice with me in verse 8 in the Amplified. And the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent of bronze... And set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. Verse 9. And Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it on a pole. And if a serpent had bitten any man, now notice, when he looked to the serpent of bronze attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze, he lived. Now keep that up here a moment. Everyone say attentively. Expectantly, with a steady 
an absorbing gaze. He lived. I want you to notice expectantly. When we look to Jesus, we should be expecting. When we look at his word, we should be attentively looking at his word. And I like how he says this, with a steady and absorbing gaze. The word steady there denotes someone that's not wavering. Someone that's not back and forth, but someone who is set. I submit to you today, set your affection on him. Become established in your heart. Become fixed on the promises of God. For when you look up to Him, you will live. When you look up to Him, your life will be all right. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Now, I want you to look over at Matthew chapter 14. Matthew the 14th chapter. I believe this, that the key to all deliverance, whether it be from debt... Whatever the case may be, the key to all deliverance is to get our eyes off of ourself and onto Him. Now look at Matthew chapter 14, and let's pick it up in verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained His disciples to get into a ship and to go before Him to the other side while He sent the multitudes away. And so, if Jesus says, you're going to go to the other side, do you suppose you're going to make it? And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And the evening was come, and he was there alone. But the ship was now in the middle of the sea, tossed with with waves, for the wind was contrary. You know, even though you've got the promises of God, the wind is going to come. There are going to be some contrary circumstances and some things that the enemy will throw your way to try to get you to make it to the other side. And so Jesus saw what was going on. And notice the next verse in verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. Does anyone know when the fourth watch of the night is? I'm asking. I don't know. Any Bible scholars here? Fourth watch of the night? 3 a.m.? Okay. 3 o'clock in the morning. And so at 3 in the morning, he's... He's looking out there. He sees that there's trouble. He sees that there's difficulties that they're going through. And so he went to them and he went walking on the sea. The very sea that he said, you're going to make it to the other side on, he walked on. I like that. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. So they got very afraid when they saw him walking on the water. They thought maybe it was an evil spirit. But right away, Jesus spoke unto them, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. So don't you let fear rob you out of your blessing. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, now listen. The one who upholds the whole universe by the word of his power. The one who came from heaven into this earth said one word. He said, come. And that one word that he said was more than enough for Peter to get out of the boat and to start walking on the water. Oh, glory to God. And you and I have got 66 books filled with the word of God. 
I submit to you today, if Peter could walk on the water on one word, come, you can pay your PG&E bill on 66 books. If Peter could walk on the water with one word, come, you can have healing flowing from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. If Peter could walk on the water with one word, come, you can have a joy unspeakable and be filled with glory living in the nasty now and now. Come on, somebody. Woo, glory to God. We got 66 books. So he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he did walk on the water to go to Jesus. He did walk on the water. A natural man did a supernatural thing. A natural man stepped out of a natural boat and walked supernaturally on the water to go to Jesus. He was empowered to go from the, from the natural to the supernatural because he was beholding Jesus. And you can do the same thing. As long as Peter beheld him, we could say it this way, as long as he kept his eyes attentively, expectantly, and steady, gazed upon him, he walked on the water. Verse 30. And Peter's like us, and we're like Peter a lot of times. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And what happened? He began to sink. But he cried, Lord, save me. How many of you have ever begun to sink? How many of you have ever felt like your ship has been sunk? Don't ever factor out the anointed one and his anointing because his eyes are on you and he will lift you up out of that area and put you back on the water. Amen. And so Jesus, or Peter cried out, Lord, save me. Save me. Sometimes that's the most spiritual thing you can do is cry out, God, help. I've created a mess for myself. Mercy. Mercy. And you know what? His mercy endures forever. Ha, ha, ha. His mercy endures forever. Don't you ever factor Jesus out. Don't you ever factor his mercy out. Don't you ever factor out the anointed one and his anointing. His yoke destroying power will lift you up. Well, we got to preach a little bit, don't we? I'm getting a little excited up in here. <laughs> He saw the wind boisterous, he's afraid, began to sink, and he cried, Lord, save me. And so he took his eyes off of him, and he got it back in the natural. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith. He didn't say he had no faith. He said he had little faith. Now listen, a little faith will take you a little way. Peter shows us this. Great faith will take you all the way. But notice what Jesus said, O thou of little faith, wherefore did you, what? Wherefore did you doubt? And so we see again here, when he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, trying to get us distracted with our eyes off of the Lord and on our natural circumstances Every, every pressure we face has designed to take our eyes off Jesus. 
when we do and when I have, and I've done it many times, whenever I've taken my eyes off him, I have started to walk in the natural and departed from the supernatural. Okay? Don't look at me with those eyes of judgment. You've done the same thing. But the good thing about it is, is we can make the adjustments. A lot of times it's just a matter of focus. You know, don't look at that anymore. Because when you look at that, you get bummed out. Don't, don't look at your 401k anymore. Because when you look at that, you, you get bummed out. It's not going to do you any good. Don't read all the journals about this medication and that medication. You look at that stuff, it'll just bum you right out. Stop looking at what your son has done and your daughter is currently doing and start looking at the promise which says this, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved in your whole house. Stop looking at what you don't have and what you can't do and look at what you do have in the Word and what you can do. The Bible says you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. In the natural realm, you may not have a penny to your name, but if you look to El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough, he says you're rich already. Amen. Amen. So it's just an adjustment oftentimes where we just say, okay, that's enough of that. And many times we have to stop listening to people as well. Now, I'm not one to close off relationships, but you can set boundaries in your relationships. You can say, you know what? When we were together yesterday and last night, we talked too much about this. We talked too much about the problem, or we talked too much about this situation. Now, I want you to know I love you, but I'm not going there anymore because I'm on a mission. And my mission is to look away from anything that would distract me unto Jesus. No, you don't have to slam the door shut on relationships, but you can establish boundaries. Amen? One of the boundaries that we need to establish in our lives is no unbelief here. No doubt here. Doubt, I can do without. Because faith is a victory that overcomes the world. Amen? Well, are you saying, Pastor Mark, you know, just ignore the problems? I'm not talking about ignoring things. This is where people get into difficulties. We're not to ignore. We're just not to consider it. The fact of the matter, the test is there. The challenge is there. The bills are there. The sickness is there. But what we're choosing to do is we're choosing to take our focus off of that and put our focus unto Him. And when we get more absorbed with Him than we do with this and that, Him will remove this and that. And we'll be able to walk as He would have us to walk. Is this making any sense to you today? And so... He's able to keep you and to keep me from falling. If you've fallen, if you seem like you're sinking today, I encourage you to do what Peter did and start looking up to him. Look at Jude 24, would you, this morning? Jude 24. Man, you listen so good, you could preach all day. Jude 24. Notice this scripture here. And I think Jude only has one chapter, so it's actually Jude verse 24. Not hey Jude, but uh, Jude 24. And uh, let, me, let me just look it up. That, that's Judges. Jude 24. 
All right, Jude 24. All right, let's, let's read this together. You ready? Ready to read, please. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. This is get happy stuff here. Let's read it a couple more times. Ready? Read. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. There's no help for you and God. Oh, yeah. He's able. He's able. Yeah, but you've fallen here and you've fallen there and you've fallen over the same thing a thousand times. It don't matter. God's able. God is able. Not only is able, but he's willing to keep us from falling. Now notice, and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. What does this say? That says the same thing 1 Thessalonians 5.23 said during the offering. He's able to present you and to keep you intact at the day of his glory. So I just dropped by this morning to encourage you to keep your eyes on him. See, if I look at stuff around me, I know that I'll sink. You know, I I can't afford to look what's going on here and what's going on in the natural. I've got to step. You've got to step. You've got to step, step into the supernatural by keeping your eyes on him. And it's only Jesus Christ that can keep us. Say it with me. My eyes are off of myself, are on to Jesus. See, you and I, we're different from the world. We're peculiar to the world. We're a purchased possession. The world will try to draw you into their game. Even maybe if you've been delivered from something, the world will try to draw you back in. Perhaps it's alcohol or whatever the case may be or drugs. They'll try to draw you back in and he'll bring the right situation, the right circumstances, old friends. They say, hey, come on over here. Hit on that. You want a hit of this? Hit on this a while. Hey, no, 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 no. I've stepped out of the natural. I'm now in the supernatural. I don't need a hit of that. You want a hit of this? Let's roll this up, baby. Let's smoke this a while. Let's feed on this a while. Let's get this in us and you'll get that out of you. And you'll be in church talking in tongues just like me. Oh yeah, come on boy, you want to hit? Hit this a while. Yes, yes, yes. Woo, glory to God. You're peculiar. We're living in this world, but we ain't of this world. How can I live in this world and not be of this world? Through the sanctifying power of the Word of God. The Word will separate you and separate me from things that defile us. When the world's going through a recession, we're going through a progression. When the world is sad, He has made me glad. When the world is depressed, we're lifted high and blessed. Amen. I am a purchased possession. You are uncommon to this world. You are an oddity to this world. And the thing that makes you different and keeps you living above it, though you're living in it, is through the sanctifying power of the Word. Jesus said this. 
he prayed for you and he prayed for me. He said, Lord, I pray that you will sanctify them. That's you and me. That you will separate them through thy word. Thy word is truth. You see, it is the truth of God's word that has kept you all these years. It's the truth of God's word that has kept you out of mental hospitals. It's the truth of God's word that got you out of the mental hospital. It's the truth of God's word that got you free from debt. There's there's sanctifying power through the word. The word will separate you and make you uncommon and peculiar and odd to this world. You're a set apart one. You're a sanctified one. Walking in your covenant with Almighty God. People will ask you, man, how are you doing it? Well, I'm not. I'm just yielding to Him. How are you not being affected when all of us are being affected? I'll tell you how. We're looking up. We got our eyes on Jesus. I'm looking to the only one who can heal my body. I'm looking to the only one who can quicken me and keep me alive. I'm looking to the only one who can pay this building off. I'm looking to the only one that can keep my sons and my daughters strong in the Lord and the power of His might. I'm looking to Jesus, my rock, my lily of the valley, my bright and morning star. My balm in Gilead, my rock of ages, the great I am. When you're good and tired of losing and fearing and failure. You see, many of you have looked at this and you've looked at that. But isn't it time now to look unto the author and the finisher of your faith? If he's the beginning and he's the ending, you know he'll take care of the in-between. God's got you in the palm of his hand. He's on your side. He loves you. He's for you. And he will do in you and for you what you could never do and in and for yourself. Glory to God. It's all by grace through faith. Don't get into this situation where, oh, whatever the Lord wants, que sera, sera, you know, the sovereignty of God. Yes, God is sovereign, but he has sovereignly chosen to give you faith. And he has sovereignly chosen that your faith would cause you to have victory and overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil, and everything that hell can throw your way. Let's all stand up and get happy today. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word this morning.